I am. Alright, what up everybody? We're live again. Uh, welcome back to the Millennial and Marine podcast. Uh, this is our first top five segment. Yes, we want to start doing uh, top five lists. Um, it's all going to be movie based because that's how our minds work. But it, uh, this first segment is going to be our top five favorite movies of all time. Now, this is not what we're saying are like the top five best movies ever made. We're saying these are our top five favorite movies of all time. Okay, so, um, but I figured later we'll get into like, you know, top five action movies, top five horror movies, and then we'll get into like, personally, I'd love to get into weird subgenres, you know, like top five horror movies that involve animals. Just because I feel like Black Sheep needs to be talked about somewhere. Yeah, but, uh, Anyway, I um, see the red dot on the camera. My bad. I wouldn't even wear my headphones. You were not. Yeah. And I was like, man, I can't hear shit. We're a mess today. It's okay. It's fine. Um, so this top five is our top five favorite movies. Yes. And we didn't define criteria other than top five favorite movies. So the way I went about it is my top five favorite movies that I never get sick of watching. Like, um, right. That's why you're see. That's why they are my top five. Yeah. Like if you, my number one, yeah, legitimately, I would watch it every fucking day and not get sick of it. Right. You know, and that's, that's basically where we're going with this is that it's your favorite movie. Like if you are home and you are deathly ill, what is the movie that you put on that makes you feel better? Because you're like, you know, that sort of thing. Or if it's on TV. You I'll can't help but time. watch it every time. Doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes left. I'm going to watch the end. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to watch that too because it's it's on. Yep. So, but uh, yeah. So here we go. We're going to, we're going to count down. So we're going to start at number five. Um, so Jeremy, what's your, what's your number five? All right. This is a fairly new one. Um, and I picked this one because it's kind of like a big. It was kind of like a big deal for for me as something we've written that is similar to it. Okay. And it's something that I think we could learn a lot from uh, for future writing. I feel like you're really building this up because you and think I'm just going to tear your shit apart. Oh, uh, no. It's okay. It's not it, the case. It's split. Split. Okay. You know what? You know what? Okay. So split doesn't go in my top five. Ah, that's okay. But I will say that I loved Split except for the last 30 seconds. Because it tied into the, the old movie. Yes. Yeah. Because, I understand that. Well, here's the thing. I don't mind if it ties in. I feel like the way he tied it in seemed like last minute and half fast. And that irritated me. Though, I will give him credit for one thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but if you put the covers of Unbreakable and Split together, the cracked glass on the two... Fucking covers actually line up. Yeah, that's That's fucking crazy. Um, If anyone doesn't know, Split is a movie that came out in 2016 by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, And I also picked this movie because I'm a big fan of M. Night Shyamalan movies. I know a lot of people aren't. Um, I like some of them. I like, I think almost all of his movies I like. I've for sure seen all of them. I it's um, funny. I think I like the ones that other people don't really like. Like, like Devil. Like that's not his. That's not his. He threw money at that. That's not his. Oh, he produced it. Yeah, that's not his. Um, no, I mean like um, Lady in the Water. Didn't he write Devil too? I don't think he wrote it. I think it he says just he wrote produced it. it. It says he wrote it right here. 
Oh, well, if he wrote it, that's cool. But he didn't direct that one, so I don't know if I fully consider it one of his. That's but, fair. Um, but I like Devil anyway. No, point is, I like Devil, but I liked uh, Lady in the Water, which I know a lot of people hated. I yeah. really, I, I enjoyed that because it felt like a fairy tale. But I think it was really funny that he basically wrote himself in as, like, God. Yeah. That's a little egotistical, but it's fine. But Split was amazing. Split was fantastic. McAvoy is just... Uh, a wealth of acting talent that they haven't even found the tip of yet, basically. Yeah. Like, his acting talent is like the <laughs> Titanic fucking iceberg. Like, you can see some of it above the surface, but they're just they're just now finding out how much more there is. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to, like, get away from Split, though. Okay, well, I'm like not. We can get on tangents really We're good. Quick. Go ahead. Uh, Split, for me... Uh, it was a fucking awesome multi-personality movie. Yes. And uh, John and I have written a handful of scripts focused around multi-personality disorders. Um, basically, versions of the same story. Um, but for me, it was like a new... It was like a cool take on it. Like how mm-hmm. like his body like morphed. Well, I'll be honest. Because though. of the of the personality and like he turned into the yeah. beast and he got big mm-hmm. and then like his eyes dilated and his veins popped out mm-hmm. and like, um, and he became like bulletproof. I will. It's, and it, it was like, it was this new crazy, like, yeah. Transformation. The way they did personality. it because it, it's been, it's been said in psychology that they believe that based on the different personalities that you could, you, you could have develop. different physical traits. Right, exactly. Like you could have an allergy to, to nuts as one person, and then when you switched over to the other person, you're no longer Which allergic is so to it. Yeah, it is. And um, before this movie, I only I can only name two movies, not counting Sybil. Sybil was the one that was like everybody. Sybil, yeah. But um, for me, there's two movies that do multiple personalities really well, and that's Primal Fear and Raising Cain. Now, if you can get past the fact that in Raising Cain, at one point, John Lithgow has to act like a small child and it's somewhat off-putting, then that's fine. But other than that, like, that was good. Um, Identity, I guess, is another one. Identity was great. Yeah. Yeah, so John and I watched a shitload of identity movies, multi-personality disorder movies, before Mm -hmm. we wrote ours. And I really wish this one was out. Not to mention my degrees actually in psychology, so it is. <laughs> but I really wish this one was out when we wrote ours, because like, yeah, it gave me so many different ideas. No, it's pretty fantastic. So I really liked it. Like I said, other than the and last James thirty McAvoy, seconds, yeah. Oh my god, oh, his he was acting. Amazing. If you haven't seen Split, please watch it. It is. It's not really a scary movie. It's kind of traumatic. Right, but it's more thriller, less horror. Watching James McAvoy in that movie is worth it. Like he is so amazing. It is. Just he changes personalities in the same scene in the same shot, and mm-hmm. like it, it's just it's amazing. Like the way they filmed it, and mm-hmm. that like I'm such a movie nerd. Like I love all that shit. Like the long shots and like him being on camera for four minutes, changing personalities over and over again. Like. Mm-hmm. Like fucking props to him. Man. It was it was he he did an amazing job. Yeah, but uh, so how are we doing this? Are we gonna go back and forth? Like yeah, I say, my your, five. What's your okay. five now? Are your um, number five, number five for John? My number five is called Life as a House. 
Life as House. As a House. Life, Life as, a house. as a House. Yes. It's uh, with Kevin Klein and Anakin Skywalker. Um, Ian Summerhalder's in it. Uh, Jenna Malone. Uh, a couple other people are in it, too. Scott Bakula from uh, Quantum Leap. He's in it. This is the one where they're constantly building this house? Yeah. So what it is is uh, Kevin Klein gets diagnosed with cancer at the very beginning of the story. And decides that with his remaining time, he wants to build the house he always talked about. Instead, he's a he's an architect, and he's never built his dream house. He's lived in like this shitty shack on a fucking hill, and uh, so he decides that he's going to build the house that he always talked about that he never actually built. And while doing so, he's going to try and rekindle his relationship with his son that has like drifted away from him, and he has like no real connection to. And he forces him to like stay with him. And uh, was this filmed before Star Wars? You think? No, after. This mm-hmm. was after he was in the first. No, it was not. No, this was before Star Wars Episode Two came out in two thousand two. This came out in two thousand one. So yeah. this was before him. <laughs> Christensen was Darth right. Vader. Right. So I didn't know. I didn't know he was gonna like. And it's funny because. I was one of the few people that knew who Hayden Christensen was because I loved Life as a House. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's totally fucking wrong for this. He's a mopey bitch. And sure enough, they didn't change it. Apparently, that's why they picked him. They were like, you know who we need for this? We need a mopey bitch. Like, it fit the character in Life as a House fucking perfectly. Like, his attitude and everything was, it worked just perfectly for the story. Yeah. It was what it required. Yeah. And then they just transported that exact character into fucking Star Wars. And we're like, fuck it. It's cool. Like, assholes. Star anyway. Wars I'm cool with, though. I, we don't have to get on a tangent on Star Wars. That's fine. But we just the, uh, the emo part of Star Wars is... It, it's well done, in my opinion. Oh. Because it's, it's it's the part of, like, the dark side taking over, like, the young Jedi. It's right. like a rebellious teenager going through mood swings. See, I know... But it's like they're they're, like having like this strong power like also take over their force you know what i mean right so like they go like super emo my issue <laughs> but see but here's the thing i guess i guess my issue isn't that it went a little emo and that he had you know his fucking whatever like gross spurt i don't know what you're saying but anyway my issue isn't that my issue was how he portrayed it cuz i don't think that somebody going through that would be whiny and mopey like, I don't, anyway, but fucking, let's not fucking talk about Star Wars. Point is, Life no is a House is an amazing movie. Um, I consider it to be a guy chick flick. Where, like, cool most of the women that have seen it, no, I'm good. Most of the women that have seen it are like, oh, that's really good. And the dudes are sitting there like, I'm still crying. It's like a movie's been over like 20 minutes. I will freely admit, I love chick flicks. Oh, I do too. I'm fine with that. Yeah, we're going to get to one of those here in a minute. So, cool. yeah. I don't but, have uh, any. All right, what's your number four? Number four is um, my favorite war movie of all time. Okay. Um, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. I like, I like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. So Saving Private Ryan for me is just my favorite war movie for sure of all time. Like there's a lot of good war movies. But Saving Private Ryan is one of those ones that I don't focus on like the inaccuracies and shit. Like, like I, I really like like the Hurt Locker or, like, mm-hmm. American Sniper, or, like, uh, what's the one with Marky Mark? Lone Survivor. 
Like, oh, I yeah. think those are really entertaining war movies, but they're so historically inaccurate and shit. Right. That it bothers me a lot. Like, See, the Hurt Locker is so Hollywood. That's fair. And in all fairness, just so you know, we're going to do a top five war movie list at some point. Oh, that's so cool. So we'll go over that. But, um, um, but I don't know if I could call Saving Private Ryan my favorite war movie. That's fair. Um, I loved Saving Private Ryan. I loved the way they did it um, and everything. And uh, um, I like the fact that they weren't afraid to, like, kill major characters off. Mm-hmm. Um, literally... I just get so enraged when the fucking dude lets uh, Adam Goldberg get stabbed because he's a pussy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, when I get so mad at that part. When they're they're upstairs and the guy, the German guy, uh, jumps on him. Yeah, the, and he's tra- and he's going to stab Adam Goldberg. And the and, guy stands there and watches. And stands there and watches. I get and then runs out of the room. I get so mad at that part that it actually takes me out of the movie. As a marine, and I feel like you should you have a it, right to get mad at that. I just it's just a special level of rage that I don't get to with most other movies, and it like takes me out of the movie for that section because mm-hmm. that part makes me. Because he let him die. I just get so fucking mad. Not only did he let him die, he watched him die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just I'm getting mad just sitting here and thinking about it. It's but fun. there's a lot of good parts of the movie. Oh, there are there are a lot of amazing parts. So of Saving the movie. Private Ryan for me is really entertaining, and I never get sick of watching it because like the mm-hmm. casting is really great. Like there's oh, yeah. all these like hidden cameos of people, and uh, oh yeah, it's funny. Um, I'll I'll probably never do a cinema riddles for that because the same reason I can't do Black Hawk Down because yeah, there's too many. there's so many fucking people that like the references become too. Uh, too obscure yeah. that where you're like this doesn't even sound like the same movie anymore and yeah. you're like this is too fucking hard and f- uh, for me as like a writer I've always wanted to write something into the story into any story that's as powerful in my opinion as uh, as it was finding out Tom Hanks is just a school teacher yeah because mm-hmm. it's just like like it's they're obsessed with it and it's like kind of like his team's driving force of following him yep because they're like, you know, like this guy's like, he's amazing. Like, I don't know what the fuck he did, yep. but he had a, he had a been some badass like before the war too. Yeah. And he's like an English and teacher. And then he, he just gives them this speech like, no guys, I was just an English teacher. Yeah. Like, I just taught my students and went home to my wife at the end of the day. Like, right. No, that was amazing. It yeah. really was. So that's crazy. It's a good movie. So good. Yeah. All right. So my number four is actually love actually. Love Actually. Yes. Oh, With, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hugh Grant and Liam Neeson and uh, Snape and Trelawney. Because um, this is how my brain works. You And we did a cinnamon riddle for Love Actually, didn't we? No, we did not. Because we didn't. No, I haven't done one for Love Actually yet. I'm sure I will at some uh, point. But, this is uh, why I need to write them down. Right. I'm sure I will at some point, but... Uh, yeah, Love Actually, uh, easily my number four. I fucking love that movie. Like, I love the way all this... There's only one, like... Normally, these ensemble ones, like, what, Valentine's Day? That was dog shit. New Year's Eve, dog shit. They made another one, too. I don't even remember what day that was, but it was horse shit, too. Because how much I don't remember it. This one was the only one where there's only one story that I don't really care for. And it's the one with... Um, Xerxes from 300. Okay. And Laura Linney. 
Okay. Um, where she's like in love with this dude at her office, but then she's caring for her mentally challenged brother at the same time. And like, it's, I get why it's in there because it's showing all the different levels and different types of love that exist. Okay. And I think that that's brilliant and it has a part and it's required to be in the movie and it fits, Yeah. but I just don't care for it. But yeah. like, um, the one with, uh, um, Andrew Lincoln from, Walking Dead, Kieran Knightley, and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that one is probably my favorite one. The most complicated name in Hollywood. Right, Chiwetel Ejiofor? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it's, uh, like, back when I thought it was Chiwetel Ejiofor, I was like, that's still pretty bad, but at least it flows. Yeah. But it's not. It's Chiwetel Ejiofor. Like, like, I thought my parents hated me when they gave me John Long. Because my dad actually told me at one point he gave me eight letters in case I came out fucking slow. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but yeah, Chiwetel Ejiofor. But anyway, point is, Love Actually, I think, is amazing. And all the actors that are in it, like, really play their characters well in the situations they're given. The only off-putting character at all is when Billy Bob Thornton shows up as the fucking president of the United States. Billy Bob is kind of awkward yeah. in the wrong roles. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's one of those actors that you're just like, no, he's ruining it. Yep. He he fits certain things, and that's mm-hmm. it. And yeah. then you're just like, no, nope, and we're good here. Yeah. Stop doing this shit. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's because it, 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 deep in the back of my mind, he's always Carl Childers from fucking Sling Blade. Okay. So, like, when he's the president, he shows up, and he's just like, yeah, we're trying to work together. In my head, I'm like, mm, it's not true. I reckon I like killing folk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! So anyway, okay. What's your number three? I know. I I feel like we're uh, we're not going fast enough, but that's okay. No, we still got to talk about them and stuff. Because yeah, if people haven't time. seen them and we're considering them our favorite movies all time, I think my next one's delayed, so we're good. We got time. All right. Um, so what's your three? Number three that you hate this movie? Oh, awesome! The Big Lebowski. God damn it! Okay, so I just wanna I just wanna say some things about this movie before John jumps in with how <laughs> terrible it is. Um, the Big Lebowski for me um, was one of my favorite stoner movies as a kid growing up, and uh, the dude, the dude abides, man. <laughs> See, I will. The dude's the shit. No, I'm not done, John. Okay. All right. It was All right. written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. They're two of my favorite writer-directors. Oh, I know you fucking hate them. God damn it. But I think they're great. I think the movies they write are fucking brilliant. They're always, and you probably disagree with it, they're always getting nominated for Oscars for basically everything they fucking do. They are. I don't know why, but they are. And uh, I think it. I think it's just, it's just like, I've always, as a kid, when I, uh, when I wanted to go into filmmaking... Uh, I really wanted to be like the Coen brothers. Like I wanted to make different movies that were a little out there, but okay. had really good writing to them. Right. Like really see, good storylines that and, people could relate to. And so they wrote some of my favorite movies like, um, and I'm trying to fucking look them up so I don't fuck these up. Like they wrote no country for old men. Burn After Reading, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Fargo. I fucking love Fargo. It was I, nice of you to say one movie that was good. I was going to Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I was going <laughs> to put Fargo on this list, but I changed it to The Big Lebowski. I, I couldn't decide. 
Fargo causes like okay. So I know you hate Fargo. Hold on, too. let me let me just clear. Let me let me start this with a with a statement that that's basically we agree. We wanted to get into film for the same reason that we wanted to make something that's a little different, that is enjoyable by everybody. But whereas my influence was more like Danny Boyle, who made like Train Spotting. Okay. Okay, that's you, your influence is Joe and Ethan Cohen, and that's fine. I, I, I like the fact that you like them enough to look up to them. Yeah. I think that personally we could probably do an entire hour-long podcast with just me talking called I Fucking Hate the Cohen Brothers. Um, <laughs> and uh, so now funny. I love O Brother Wartow. It's so bad. I love O Brother Wartow. That's... Like kind of it. Um, they probably made another movie that I might have enjoyed, and um, I just can't name it. Um, but like, No Country for Old Men. Like, you know what it is? Okay, you know what the problem is? Uh, I feel like Joe and Ethan Cohen have the ability to write truly amazing characters. Yeah, and then not fucking focus on them. That's fair. Okay, like. John Goodman's character in Big Lebowski is the shit. He is the shit. And every scene he's in is pure gold. Yeah. The minute he's not in it, I don't give a fuck. That's fair. And but then the same thing for No Country for Old Men. Um, Javier Bardem he's the greatest. is one of the most well-written, well-done. Did he win an Oscar for that? He sh- fucking should have, but... He's one of the most well-written psychopaths, like an actual psychopath that has like they they full on like focus on his sociopathy. And like, it's just he is brilliant. And then but he did, he did win an Oscar for that. Yeah, good. He very, should very because, rightfully so. because then because the rest of the movie, I don't give a shit. And you you know what you have to do to make me not give a shit about Josh Brolin? You got to fuck up pretty good because I fucking yeah. love Josh Brolin. I just think it's. I just think it's a testament to, like, their writing style. Like, I just think, and their directing style. Like, they develop these characters, like you said, that you like a lot. Yes. The movie's not even about them. No. But that's the problem, though, is then they focus on people that I don't give a shit about, and that's why I end up not liking the movie. That's fair. Now, but, like, Frances McDermott and Fargo, like... Frances McDormand and Fargo. I think she, she was... She's just amazing. She was, she was pretty <laughs> priceless. But, again, I think it was uh, Buscemi... And uh, fucking Peter Stormare that really stole the show for me in that when fucking Peter Stormare put him in a goddamn. You know, the only thing there's only two things I remember from Fargo. One, Bruce Campbell has a cameo in that that nobody acknowledges. Okay. Okay. He was on the 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 TV when it was all scratchy and shit and you couldn't really see what they were watching. That's fucking Bruce Campbell. And that's amazing because okay. Bruce Campbell's the shit. And two, Buscemi got stuck in a wood chipper. Buscemi's that's it. That's it. Buscemi's awesome, and uh, Peter Stormare, fucking cosmonaut from Goddamn. You gotta give me your number three. We gotta we gotta go quicker. Oh shit, do we? Okay. I just uh, yeah. I just okay. Fair enough. We got so, a couple uh, more episodes to do. That's fine. My number three is Pleasantville. Oh my god, touche, sir. We love that one. Yeah, that is real rain out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that? It's rain. Real rain? Yeah. We should be safe for now. Thank God. Thank goodness we're in a rain out there, boys. <laughs> thank, thank goodness we're in a bowling alley. Thank goodness we're in a bowling alley. Yeah, and Paul Walker, sad. Uh, he's Rest in it, and he's awesome. And uh, just 
That whole movie is fucking amazing. Like, that was the first time I realized that Jeff Daniels could actually act if he stopped being a fucktard around Jim Carrey. Okay, that's fair. Jeff Daniels is actually a really good actor. He's a really good actor. He's a really good actor. Like, he is a very, very good actor. Yeah. I just wish that the first time I hadn't seen him was fucking Dumb and Dumber because that kind of, like, ruined him for a while for me because he's an amazing actor. But everyone in that movie's good. But that's what gave him fuck you money that let him be a good actor. That's fair. You know <laughs> what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... Probably, yeah. He probably got some dead money off of D- Dumb and Dumber. Oh, but, for uh, sure. Well, Jim Carrey, that was Jim Carrey's, like, big. Oh, yeah. Big uh, contract. Yep. So. Or maybe it wasn't. I can't remember on Jim Carrey. Sorry to get off topic. But either way, uh, Pleasantville is easily my number three. Uh, yeah, for those of you at home great. that haven't seen it, um, basically uh, a kid and his sister get put into a TV show that's, like, basically Leave it to Beaver. And they kind of mess with these people's lives, but not on purpose, but just by being themselves and bringing in outside influences into their world. Yes. And uh, things start to actually be in color because everything's in black and white at first. And things start to actually show up in color because they're bringing more life into this lifeless town, basically. Um, But it's amazing. You should watch it. It's amazing. It's Tobey Maguire, um, Reese Witherspoon, Jeff Daniels, uh, William H. Macy. Mm -hmm. Joe Um, Allen, uh, Paul Walker. mm -hmm. Uh, There's a – oh, J.T. Walsh, um, who most people don't know his name, but you know him as every asshole ever. And and Don Knotts. Like, I love – it's very sad. J.T. Walsh also passed. Um, He Mm. is one of the best – like villains that you fucking love oh, I to hate, hate. Him and everything. He's amazing. He's such an amazing he plays actor. The evil, the evil Republican and everything. Yeah, he's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's always a dick. But uh, he's this guy, fantastic. Don Knotts. Don Knotts. Yeah, Don Knotts is the best as the TV repairman. Oh, yep. there's so many dead people in this movie. There are. There's a lot of dead folks. Ah, in this from movie. Three's Very Company sad. and Andy Griffith Show. Yep. How sad. So, but uh, all right. So, what's your number two? Oh, Pleasantville. I do love Pleasantville. I do I do gotta say that. I quote it all the time. Still. Uh-huh. Every time it's raining, I say to, oh, That's to real my rain girlfriend. outside. That's a real rain out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, do, I do the same shit. The time. Anytime it's raining, I'm like, well, that's real rain out there. All the time. <laughs> um my, my number two is pulp fiction. I knew that. I actually, I already knew that. I knew what your two and, and your number one are. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. easy. I know yours, too. Do you? I don't know about number two, but one easily. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but um, I, I, Pulp Fiction is amazing. Pulp Fiction for me is, again, it's one of my favorite directors, mm-hmm. um, Quentin Tarantino. Pulp Fiction for me broke the boundaries, um, and, and it is another movie that led me into wanting to study film in school. It's just, it, it broke the linear storyline format. Mm-hmm. It um, kind of broke the character development format. He it doesn't also, really develop any of the characters. No, it also broke the rules where um, you can... You can start with the end of the a, movie? Well, no, that you can have a very specifically dialogue-driven film. Oh, it's very dialogue-driven. Because the only, driven. Two, the only two that really do that well are... Tarantino and Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, it's all dialogue driven. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't develop the characters. You don't know who any of the people are. Nope. It's just nope. first scene, 
Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta sitting in a diner. And it no, gets, the first and scene is robbed. actually just a, a bunny. Oh, it is. And, yeah, and and, and, and she's then like, they go to the diner. Yeah, everybody, nobody move. This is a robbery. And she's like, any of you fucking pricks move, and I'll execute every it's, motherfucking oh, last one of you. Oh, it's not them. It's just the it's the couple talking yep. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's okay, just yeah, Tim yeah, Roth yeah. and uh, Amanda Plummer. And it starts with the um, that song. The it's like the I can't think of it. Okay. Um, but no, I have to give this to you. I, I have to give you Pulp Fiction. Like, uh, it's not in my top five, but I have seen it so so many times. Everybody, a rubbery. Fucking bricks move, and I'll execute This one, uh huh. I know it's so good. It's so good. And it's like a movie that's dialogue based that's somehow still pure chaos is mm-hmm. fascinating. Like it oh was, my God. it was crazy. Like and well, he did and certain things I never saw coming. It's very entertaining, and you have no fucking idea what's going on. Right. And and to me that is just it's like filmmaking one hundred and one. It's like anyone who goes to film school needs to watch that fucking movie and say, "Look, you don't have to fucking fit in the bullshit mm-hmm. mold." Like. That's why you go to film school. Like you can do shit your own way. Yep. Like Tarantino said, "All right, I'm gonna do this the fucking only way I want, mm-hmm. my my fucking way." Yep. And he cut it all into bits and chunks and put it together, and it's a masterpiece. Kevin Smith actually used to uh, actually says that um, <clears throat> they used to call Miramax the house that Quentin built. Yeah. Yeah. So because he did. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crazy. All of his fucking movies. Mm-hmm. Pop Fiction was uh, <clears throat> so good, but uh, and he still every movie he makes is just yep, it's amazing. So uh, so my number two, okay, hold on, let me before we go to number two. Not every movie he makes is amazing. Sometimes he fucking fails. Okay, all right, it's like ninety ten. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that, but ninety percent of the time I hated all I hated Jackie Brown, okay. and I also I'm one of the few. I'm not a fan of Inglorious Bastards. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. Hey, I, I get it. It's like in his alternate world where there, it's no. The problem is, is that he introduced a couple characters that should have been fucking phenomenal, and they died five seconds oh, later. Yeah, yeah let's like, not talk about okay. Inglorious anyway, Bastards. all right, that's fine. Moving on. All right, so my number two is uh, is Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Okay. Yes. Um, I love Groundhog Day. I think that it is a work of complete and utter genius. Um, I just think that um, even the way they made it was genius because apparently Bill Murray's kind of a cunt. Um, like uh, he'll start off like really chipper and happy at the beginning of a movie. And by the end, like you don't want to work with him ever again. Yeah. And Harold Ramis knew this because the director of Groundhog Day is Egon Spangler from Ghostbusters. And so he knew what it was like to work with Bill Murray. So he filmed all the happy ending stuff of the movie at the beginning because he knew that was the only way he was going to get happiness and actual like joviality, whatever out of him. I don't even know. That's a fucking word, but that's how he got that out of him. And then all the stuff where he's bitter and angry, he filmed towards the end because he knew he was already going to be bitter and angry. That's awesome. That's fucking genius. That is genius. Like, 
I don't know. It's it's funny because there's a part in the movie where he says, "Keep the talent happy," and it's I'm really like, "Really creative filmmaking." I mm-hmm. mean, in in itself, like he knew his star and he knew what he had to do to like get a good performance out yeah. of him, and it was basically he just had to fuck with the timeline of how he was filming stuff. Well, it's good, and I mean, just, a lot uh, of people for filmmaking. I don't think a lot of people understand how films are made and how production schedules are created. And, like, that's something that was fascinating to me in in school Mm -hmm. is that, like, you know, like, they do shoot on the same location for four days and they just shoot page 10, 15, 30, page 60, page 80, page 100 Mm -hmm. all in the same week. And then they go to the other location and shoot all that shit. Yeah. And then they edit it all together. It's not like they go back and film the movie in sequential order that right. you see. They it. didn't film it in that exact order yeah. that you're watching the movie in. Just like Pulp Fiction. It's not like he right. filmed it that way. He just edited it that way. Right. And yeah. actually, in all fairness, in his, he could have filmed it that way and just left it instead of editing it. But he and didn't. He, he filmed each the... character's, like, mm-hmm. you know, like Marcellus Wallace. Yeah. They, he just filmed all his scenes, you know, in the four days or whatever that yep. they needed him. And that was it. No, it's uh, so, but that's one of the things I, I always liked about Groundhog Day. But in general, I just think that the movie is uh, relentlessly quotable, and it yeah. is one of the funnier movies I've ever seen. Groundhog Day is not one that I'm up on, and I need to rewatch that. That's fair. That's fair. I understand. So, but uh, all right. So here we go. Groundhog Day is another one that came out when I was, you know, two years old. Yeah. Um, and I saw that in theaters. So anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Do you want to say my number one and then I'll say yours? That's fair. Your number one is Back to the Future. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> Back to the Future is my jam. It's uh, Robert Zemeckis. Um, he wrote and directed it, I believe. Well, he wrote it with Bob Gale. Um, I don't know why I'm typing in Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, when you can just type in Back to the Future. Yeah, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. It's fine. Um, Back to the Future was a trilogy. If anyone hasn't seen it, I don't know if you've been living under a fucking rock or what, but I'm sure you've seen Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, teenager, travels back in uh, time, starts in 1985, ends up in 1955 to when his parents are in high school, and he basically fucks up the whole timeline and has to get his parents back together before he's erased from existence. Yep. Yep. And uh, it's one of the few movies that, in my opinion, got time travel right. It's not, I agree. It's not like Looper that made me want to stab Ryan Johnson in his fucking face. The, the rules that they established in Back to the Future are rules that are still used in time travel yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Like storylines. Like, yeah. you fuck with the timeline, you create alternate timelines. You might not ever get back to the real timeline unless you fix all the events that you fucked up. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's no, it's Back to the Future is uh, probably uh, one of, if not the quintessential time, time travel, travel movie. movie. And it'll never happen again. It'll never get made again. Mm-hmm. It'll never be a remake. They actually missed out on their perfect chance. And that's in making it in 2015. Yes, yeah. because they should have made one in 2015 where him and Doc were like Holy oh, shit. Remember what the future used to be like yeah. and now it's not? Yep. Oh shit, we, we must have go fucked something to up and we got to go back to make everything futuristic. Yep. And they totally fucking missed that gigantic yep. cue. And then they could have came back to 2015 Ugh. the flying cars and they could have fixed it. Yes, yep. but now they, instead we have 
Twitter. It's okay. Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's, and Christopher Lloyd is ancient. But that's the thing. They could have. They could have totally passed that down to like their kids. Like, oh no, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Like absolutely. Well, Michael J. Fox could have probably acted through the movie and handled it if they right. did the production schedule properly. Yeah, because I mean, he and was did in a lot um, of sitting down scenes and stuff um, for him. He was in um, Interstate sixty after he got Parkinson's. Yeah, they just kind of. They kind of he's been in a handful of made things. his character very angry, so we that like explained the jittery nature kind yeah. of thing. It was interesting, like the way they did it. But when they could have wrote it into Back to the Future Four and been like, "Oh yeah, like I've been t- traveling in time so much, I have all these like side effects on my oh, body." Shit. Like you know what I mean? Oh, like the shit. flux capacitor's been fucking with my body. I can't stop moving because right? like, my body's in constant flux or something. Oh, like, right? They could have wrote something That'd be fucking cool. crazy, right? Like you could have mm-hmm. you would have been like. Yeah, <laughs> well played, fuckers. Right. Well played. That's awesome. Oh but God. yes, that's a good choice for your number one. I've, Back to the Future is my big poster is downstairs for it. I know it's, it's huge. Back to the Future is amazing. Uh, so, and your number one is the Shawshank Redemption. It is. Yes, my number one is without a doubt the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Yes. Rightfully Zay, so. Say Watanejo. Yeah. Like I mean, I mean, the Shawshank Redemption is. Easily one of the great. Now, like, let's even take a. We'll, we'll even take away the fact that my favorite author of all time, Stephen King, wrote it. Like, let's take. We'll even take that out of this equation because it doesn't seem like a Stephen King movie or anything like that. Yeah. Taking all of that out, this is one of the most like hopeful, like beautiful stories that's ever written, and it has like such like. There's only one thing for me that keeps this movie from being absolutely perfect and that's there's a guard that says i'm gonna go pinch a loaf don't do anything stupid while i'm gone and i think that that is such a stupid fucking line and literally that one line is the only thing the only issue i have with the entirety of this whole movie yeah otherwise the rest of that movie is perfect for me You're totally like fine to me. breaking out of prison and all that stuff yeah, like the way he does it, like that's all genius. Like all of that is like the way he did it. Like the first time I saw that movie and they moved that poster to find that giant hole, mm-hmm. like that like changed me. Yeah. Like I was like, oh my God, he's been doing this forever. Th- forever. Forever. Like when they made the joke about, I, I figure it would take about 15 years for somebody to dig a hole through that. And he's like, turns out it only took seven or whatever. Like, or I told, I told him it'd take a million years and it only took 22 or something like that. Like, you're just like, holy fuck. The dude chiseled through a fucking wall with that tiny ass rock hammer. And every night. every it, Yeah, every night. And then he would take all the pieces out in his pockets in his and pockets. drop it into the yards. Like, that's fucking, it's, oh, it's just such an amazing movie. And not just that he chiseled through the wall. Mm-hmm. No, but and he then climbed he went, through the hole, down the hole, and five hundred yards through planned the, the entire escape. Yes, five hundred yards through the the shit tubes every night. I mean, he probably climbed down there a ton of times. Yeah, just to like out. yeah, plan it out. But he had to wait until it was raining and timing just, it, seeing how it was gonna go. Yeah, yeah. The the patience involved with Andy's character is a fascinating like character study in its own right. It is Tim Robbins. Yeah, and what's funny is I can't tell you another time that I've, like, really liked Tim Robbins. Like, he was entertaining in um, High Fidelity Mm -hmm. because uh, at one point uh, John Cusack knocks his fucking teeth out with a telephone. That's fucking hilarious. But other than that, like... I I will argue that Tim Robbins... 
he peaked in Shawshank. That was his career. Yes. That Sha- was. Shawshank was his Titanic. Which is also why, deep down inside, I can never put Forrest Gump uh, in my top ten, even. is because Forrest Gump stole the Oscar that year. Oh, it did. Yes, 1994. And it made me so mad. That is sad. It is because Shawshank should have had a fucking Oscar. Like, that was a... F- Ugh. Fucking Forrest Gump. Anyway. So Shawshank didn't win anything. Uh, I, oh, it was it nominated won. for seven Oscars. Yeah, it was nominated for seven. And it didn't win any. That sucks. Yeah. And that's bullshit. It's total bullshit. The movie was fucking amazing. But you will see here that um, Shawshank Redemption is rated number one on IMDb of all time. For the top rated movies of all time? Yeah, it's because people know. Like, that movie's fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, just like little shit where he's like, yeah, they always called me red. I guess it's because I'm Irish. And you're yeah. like, what? Like, <laughs> just, just, ah, uh, I don't know. But Pol- even like the Pol- supporting cast. Number seven. Yeah, there you go. Even the supporting cast, like William Sadler and, you know, Morgan Freeman was amazing. But yeah. Clancy Brown as the, uh, the fucking guard. That dude ter- terrifies me. I love it. He terrifies me. It's so me. good. He's I love a, Shawshank. Yeah. Clancy Brown's dude, the scariest son of a bitch ever. I got to say this. IMDb top rated movies is fucking skewed. Because they have Shawshank, then The Godfather, then The Godfather Part 2. I'm going to go ahead and say Godfather Part 2 is better than Part 1. But Dark Knight's number four, and that's horse shit. Well, it's how people rate it. Oh, I know. It's just yeah. based on IMDb. But then number five is a movie from 1957 called 12 Angry Men. Yeah, no. So I'm just I'm just saying Don't Shawshank's we... number one for a reason, yeah. but then the rest of the list gets a little fucking weird. 12 Angry Men was good, but it's not. it shouldn't be on any like highest rated list. No, you can't say fucking Inception is a better movie than fucking Silence of the Lambs and Seven and The Usual Suspects and all this shit. I will say... That mm-hmm. I thought about uh, some of these other movies to mm-hmm. be in my top five. Like, uh, I did consider, like, Seven. Oh, yeah. Um, I love I Seven. I also considered The Usual Suspects because The Usual Suspects for me was, like, I was, like, holy shit. Like, they actually – and then one, once I learned about it, like, they, they filmed – a scene where all the characters were Sizer. Yes. What's so his name? Kaiser. Kaiser, Kaiser Soze. So none of the actors knew who he was. No yeah. one knew who the villain was. Like the director never told anyone. Right. No one knew who Kaiser Soze until the was movie until came the out. movie came out. Yeah. Even the actors. The only one that knew was Brian Singer. Yeah. But I couldn't put it on my list because that's not a movie I've seen a whole lot. And mm-hmm. it's not a movie that's on TV that I watch a lot. Right. It's not a movie that I, it's not my go to. Like exactly. I love to. Um, if nobody's seen it, like I love to show it to them the first time because yeah. I like to see their reaction to how it like all plays out. But. Otherwise, meh. Like yeah. I mean, it was it was amazing, but it's one of those ones that you can really only watch like once or twice. Yeah. But so anyway, uh, this was our top five favorite movies of all time. Fuck yeah. Yes, and um, we're gonna continue this on with uh, other ones later on. You'll see more top five posts. Um, most of mine will probably be more obscure. And most of Jeremy's will be a little more mainstream. There's nothing wrong with either one of those. But um, yeah. basically, the, the main reason... Mine that, are just a little newer because I'm younger. Exactly. And mine are, <laughs> mine are a little older, you know? And so, and I know that. Um, I like to consider uh, categories for the next one, though. I think we should do top five, like, best written 
Best written? Yeah, like our top five like favorite okay. writing. Okay. Because writing for me is a big one. That's fair. We can do that. Um, we can also do... Uh, like I, I want to do one for like each genre, genre kind of thing. Uh, I'd, but then, I'd, yeah, I'd be okay with that. But then I think that top five comedies, top five action movies. Top <coughs> five I think that one of the other stories. things we could do, and um, regrettably, I'll have to do it for yours too. But um, we could do it based on um, directors too. Like mm. my favorite director is without a doubt, uh, probably no, not without a doubt, but one of my favorites is easily Danny Boyle. So we could do top five best movies. Oh, we just went over like uh, Joe right. and Ethan Cohen. Exactly, but I don't that's have a lot thing. to choose from for them though. Now, why they made like it's like fourteen well, movies? Yeah, but that's still quite a few. Yeah, we could do that. Danny um, Boyle hasn't made that many either. But I'd still... really like to do um, action movies too. Oh no, I definitely want to do action movies. Um, like I want to do two versions. Okay, so. We got we got to wrap. We'll this do up. this real quick, but for the for the action ones, I want to do the five best, like greatest action movies of all time, mm-hmm. and then the five worst best. Where like it was so fucking bad, it came back around again. That's cool. Yeah, I'm cool with that. So, but anyway, all right, cool. We'll, we'll let you guys go for now, but uh, keep listening. Yeah, thanks for um, listening to the top five. Everybody. Yeah, if anything, it'll give you a give you a list of movies to watch if you haven't seen any of them, and. Uh, if you guys have any subjections or sub, subjections, subjections, what the fuck? What word am I trying to for say? Categories. There it is. Thank you. Suggestions for uh, any top five lists that you guys would want to listen to. Uh, feel free to send them Jeremy's way or, or my way, and we'll figure it. We'll talk about it and find out. Tweet me at M-I-A-Z podcast. Or mine's John Longwaz. Uh, our podcast is up on iTunes, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Hit us up. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Peace.